position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for... Members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode number 379 of the Best Linux Games Podcast being recorded for you on this Saturday, the 29th of January, 2022. Crack Engineer, Ivor Molina over there in the booth. Hi, Ivor, you're fired. He's holding up the whiskey sign. Mmm. That's a good idea. Mmm. That would make it for our sequel friends, 2022... 0129 at 1439 p.m. left coast, Pacific Coast, coast with the most. Um, we don't have a lot of time for the show. We have a lot of ground to cover. So let's get straight to our top stories. First of all, this is the last live show before I go to Hawaii next week. Uh, so next week's show will be an encore. I was going to split this show into two different shows because it but it's two two different topics and one of them I can't give the review that I want but it is more contemporary and so we will have a mini feature in this show and then we'll have a full review um, next week we will be uh, canned in 
I don't mean no. I well, it doesn't mean that we are no. It's a thousand years before the mask. Mast, you signed the contract, Ivor. You'll do the work. Oh yeah, Gregor, you'll get the case, won't we? We'll get the fucking case, eh, Gregor? Um, a can is in like we will be, you know, taped. We'll be rebroadcasting an older episode. Um, I haven't decided on what that will be yet, but. I'm trying not to devote any thought or attention to detail in that regard, considering that I'm trying to get the fuck out of town and go to Hawaii for a week. Um, also in our top stories, this week, uh, starting as of like, you know, whenever you hear this, if it's before February 3rd and running through February 3rd, it is the Steam Store Lunar New Year's sale um, I picked up a couple of good things that are really bad, but there's some good gifts in there, and in lieu of like presenting, there's not like it's not the greatest sale I've ever seen. But one, the the our review this week, which is Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Prophecy, and also Martyr. I've played more Martyr than I have Prophecy, uh, but they're the same game. I'll explain that in the review. Um, is 75% off at $6.24 now through February 3rd and the Warhammer Complete which includes like Warhammer Martyr and all the DLCs is only 20 bucks that makes it a good time to get it Um, but first before we get to our review here's our feature et on God of War and I'll explain why we're doing it in mere moments what do you think? oh my god it's Millennium's Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. Okay. So, God of War. And I mentioned in a last week's episode of the episode before that, God of War is a reboot of the storied franchise of the same name. This is a... I think this game came out a year ago. It's $49.99. This is not our review. We will have a review when we come back from Hawaii. And the reason it's not a review is I only have 15 hours in the game, which is a significant chunk of time in God of War. But this is a game I definitely want to beat before I review it. I, However, this reboot is so good it is so phenomenal that and it and that I wanted to tell anyone within earshot before two weeks from now that this game is amazing. It is by far the and I don't know by by far, but it is the most gorgeous video game I've ever played on a computer. It is now the new current reigning champion. I mean, man, it's crazy. We seem to be uh, handing off that title at, uh, which makes sense because we you know uh, developers and programmers are learning more and more techniques and uh, tools that make it easier and easier to access the full power of like our insanely powerful GPUs these days. So it's not a surprise that you know one of the latest games, you know, to hit PCs. Even though, like, the original is, like, a year old. It came out on the PlayStation. 
this is the most gorgeous game I've ever played on a PC and one of the most gorgeous games I've ever played, period. And it is so far, 15 hours in, it is so good. The gameplay is so good. The environments are so good. The story is so amazing. It is a worthy successor to last year's uh, PlayStation darling that came to Linux uh, Days Gone, which was a game you basically spent the entire time crying through um, because it was so depressing and moving and, and funny and powerful and scary and awesome and gorgeous. God of War, this reboot, is all of that and more. You are now no longer are okay, so there's not a lot I can tell you specifically about the story without revealing too much, but this is a buddy movie. It is Kratos and his son. And they are living in Midgard, not ancient Greece, with a dead wife. And the action begins more or less after you after you take care of your wife's corpse you have to um, spread her ashes on the highest point of the mountain and just before you guys set off to go do that this is the very earliest parts of the game so don't I'm not ruining too much uh, you are visited by a strange man who tries to kill you and you beat the shit out of him and you realize that you're in trouble but and that the boy is not ready the boy is not ready to make the journey nevertheless the journey must be made and so you two set off to take his mother's ashes to the highest peak on the mountain and this boy your son the dynamic between you and your son I think is probably my favorite thing in the game until you get to the environments and until you get to the explosive and surprisingly deep it's very much a God of War game surprisingly deep uh, combat upgrades and capabilities. Instead of having two flaming chain swords that you can control independently on your wrists, now you have the Leviathan Axe, which is and a magic shield. Um, and the axe, it's a multi-purpose tool. Magic enchanted axe. Wherever you throw it, if you decide to throw it, if you're into ranged combat, um, no matter where you leave it, all you have to do is press the Y button, and it will return to your hand immediately. However, that doesn't hurt any of the um trees or scenery. But if there are enemies in between the path of the axe on its return and you, it will damage them. You can add enchantments and upgrades and all sorts of shit to every item of equipment in both Kratos's and uh, Atreus's uh, kit. Atreus is less upgradable 
he's much simpler because you spend a lot of time upgrading and tweaking um, Kratos. It's nice that Atreus is much simpler, but much more expensive to upgrade. Now, Atreus isn't that great when you start. But about six hours into the game, he starts getting very good. And he becomes an invaluable uh, component. He is basically an artificially intelligent player too that you can order to attack your target either depends on what he has uh, equipped and what he's dealing with at that present moment um, but his main skill is archery and which you teach him and he gets better at it and this means that when you're in the middle of a fight all you have to do is press X and he will attack whatever you're attacking with the bow. He also does other things if you're not giving him any orders whatsoever. He, he'll he just save up his bows, his arrows, which magically uh, repopulate his quiver over time. Eventually getting, getting that quiver to repopulate quickly enough um, becomes you know, if you're into him which I am. I like making Atreus do a lot of the killing. Um, it's important because he has his arrows do special things to special enemies. Now, that's the real star of this game, though, is the combat. Although it is the most gorgeous game I've ever played. As Kratos, you can throw your axe. You can also hit people with your axe. You know, swing your axe. You know, blah blah blah, or switch to an unarmed mode, which is the same mode you switch to when you throw your axe and don't recall it immediately where you're equally as deadly and that's where you can use your uh, you can use your shield in all of the modes, but the shield becomes much more important in unarmed mode and then you can unlock combos and moves for all three of these aspects of the game, for ranged combat with the axe, for uh, melee combat with the axe, and then for melee combat uh, unarmed, which includes the shield. And some of these moves are all of these moves are at your fingertips after you unlock them. You can also upgrade them. And you can also tweak them out like your equipment. It's really, really surprising the depth and tightness of this upgrading system. It's super good. Um, you combine this with an interesting cast of characters, uh, you, well, I, I, I'll save the special, special one, I won't tell you about, uh, them, but, uh, like, you know, there are two dueling blacksmiths, dwarven dueling blacksmiths, who have broken up their partnership and you find them in different parts of the world, and they will sell you upgrades, they'll also uh, upgrade your shit um, using the uh, hacks over that you collect throughout the universe and other materials, you know, from corpses and treasure chests and stuff. These environments are amazing. The puzzles are phenomenal. And by that, I mean they are simple enough that I can do them. Uh, but they very frequently, just like the original God of War, involve the environment in a semi-logical way. You're in a mythical dream world version of Midgard. Eventually the Alfheim. Eventually other places. 
all of which overlay on top of each other um, and have distinctive characteristics like Alfheim is like a verdant, glorious Alphonse Mucha inspired forest of light and darkness and um, magnificent uh, monuments to uh, to pantheonic to, to Norse pantheonic power, even though it's not such a thing as a pantheon a Norse pantheon, but anyway you are in Midgard. You are a Greek. You were a Greek god. And now you have to fight Odin himself. Ultimately, ultimately it seems like becomes your ultimate target. But the cool thing, the other cool thing about this game, and then we'll get on to our review and hopefully get out of here in under 30 minutes. Hey, Ivor! Isn't that right, Gregor? We'll get the case. Oh, yeah, I'll get the fucking case. God of War is 50 bucks. It is already worth. I would pay $100 for this game just just to get to the 15 hours that I've gotten, gotten to play so far. So, that's... And, yeah, I mean, if you... So, I, I'm imploring you, if you thought about... You need a good computer. You need a good video card. It it. I had to bump down my graphics settings to get it to run um, as smoothly as I live stream it. Um, but the graphics degradation, the, the the step down in graphics doesn't lead to notice, really noticeable degra- degradations of the overall quality or beauty of the game. It, it will knock your fucking eyes out. But the other cool thing about God of War that keeps it really interesting is that combat is super intense and hyper-violent incredibly fast paced and it's really a thinking game between you and your opponent and or opponents because the game starts you off pretty easily with like guys that you know they'll kill you and they'll kill you a lot if you're playing on normal but they won't like just destroy you eventually they will just destroy you like eventually it will be one hit will kill you uh, that it's just a way of things, and I, I can't upgrade my defenses at at this point in the game. I have to fight my way through it, and so I've been doing that, and it is amazingly fun, and it's forced me to focus on the combat capabilities of Kratos, um, which consists of two main things. There's physical damage that you can do to opponents, and there's stun damage, and when you stun um, a lesser creature... Uh, you can grapple them and then rip them in half or whatever. It's a finishing move that destroys them. When you do this to larger enemies, like boss enemies, like big-sized boss enemies, uh, you can ride them You can before killing them. You can... Uh, you can ride them and use them as a weapon. Uh, kind of reminiscent of Monster Hunter uh, Rise. But the coolest thing is how the game is so cinematic in its combat that you don't even really notice that really the combat is very is very tactical and also very strategic when you're facing a bunch of enemies. This is because of the cool enemy design. Um, they will try to sneak up behind you. Enemies have different attacks and different weaknesses. They are are profoundly different to fight from enemy to enemy. So when they attack in concert, 
it's a real challenge to figure out which, you know, you're like, okay, well, who am I going to, who do I have to kill first? Who's most dangerous to me? Who do I need to save the the boy's arrows for? And uh, Atreus gets fairly good at um, ha- always having arrows. Like, it takes like five seconds by the time you hit like ten hours for his entire quiver to refill. But these arrows have special powers too. You can't toggle them, but you can um, but they matter. You know, they, they matter. Like, uh, and they generally have a very high stun effect. So, you do physical damage with the axe, stunning effect damage with your hands, and then there's one other type of attack, which is rage mode. At any point, you can click down both controllers and go into rage mode. You can also click down both controllers to come out of rage mode, which saves your rage meter. Your rage meter fills over time as you attack other things. When you go into rage mode, it's a whole different combo and attack system, and it's super powerful. It's just like Kratos' old rage mode. It's not as cool as his rage modes used to be when you had two chain swords, but then again, Kratos isn't as cool as he was when he had two chain swords. So, finally, the last thing I'll say before, because we're going to have to go over all of this again in our full review in about two weeks, maybe three. See, because like, I'm gone for the whole fucking week. So, like, I have to make up that week when I get back. And that's when I'll be playing the game again because I leave on Tuesday. So, you know, I want to beat this game before I review it. So it's going to take some time, but I wanted to get this out there to our listeners. This game is amazing. And the dialogue and the attention to detail and the relationship between Kratos, who is not a good communicator and not a good. Um, he doesn't, he's not good with his feelings. He's the god of war, for Christ's sake. He killed Ares at the end of the first game. You know, he's not a touchy-feely guy. And now he has this, you know, 12-year-old kid and no, and a dead wife and watching him try to encourage and parent this kid and this happens just there's no like giant cut I mean there are, there are cutscenes that are really cool, they're really awesome, they're also very short generally um, most of this happens just in game, it's just them talking um, and seeing them interact and it's heartbreaking I mean because it's tender, it's also tragic, it's it's a real father-son story and uh, it drives all the action very very cool game Uh, if you have a computer that can run it absolutely get it spend the 50 bucks if you can and get it. it it's glorious so that brings us to our actual review for this week based on with it Ivor in accordance with the laws and regulations regarding the internet within your local jurisdiction, Best Linux Games Podcast now presents you with a dose of clap. Just kidding, motherfuckers. It's review time. So, our review this week is Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor Martyr 
and Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor Prophecy. Martyr originally came out in 2018, but was only recently released for uh, the PC via Steam. Um, and then they quickly followed it up this week with the release of the more recent game, which is Prophecy. Now, there there is no difference between these two games, except that Prophecy uses a, uh, a 2.0 version of the game mechanics that uh, Martyr uses. Luckily, if you've spent 50 hours like I have in Martyr, when you get Prophecy, it just imports your character over. Everything is the same. All your inventory items and skills. It updates certain things to be compatible with the 2.0 version of this iteration of the Warhammer universe or whatever the fuck. But the games are essentially identical. There's some convenience feet yeah, convenience, quality of life, and feature fixes and additions to prophecy that make it better than Martyr. It's also it also looks better than Martyr because it's more recent. Um, but they both use the same engine, etc. So what what is this game? Is this game for you? Well, I hate the Warhammer universe completely. This is the first Warhammer game that I've ever logged more than just fucking an hour in. Mm. For the uninitiated, this is this is basically Diablo 3 in the Warhammer universe. So it's a demi-isometric, uh, top-down, uh, solo or multiplayer. There's massive social features built into the game uh, designed to help matchmake you with other players if you want to play with other people. I tend to play by myself because um, I'm generally very stoned when I'm playing this game. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about the Warhammer universe, that's fine. Neither do I. Neither did I. I know a little bit more than I did before. But I do know a lot about the game's mechanics, which is what is at the center of this game. Just like Diablo, just like um, Torchlight 2, your stats and your your st- okay, you have a series of base stats that are attached to your character. They can be modified and upgraded by adding, by allocating skill points gained at each level. Um, to any number of disciplines that y- your character has unlocked, those are like basically skill sets that provide stats based perks to certain things. It could be attacks, he could you know, make you heal faster, make you deal more damage, make you deal a different kind of damage, buff a specific kind of damage, uh, inflict uh, auxiliary damage with each attack, um, inflict uh, bleeding, slow, shock, stun, burn, area of effect, poison, damage over time, single range attack, melee damage, physical damage um, warp damage which is damage that you apply, I think, via warp heat uh, they can also buff your character, like I said, make you heal faster make you move faster, make you attack faster, make the cooldowns for your, for your powers less etc, 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 etc etc, but 
there are, I would say there right now I have unlocked 20, I, I'd say 15 main skill groups, each with about 20 different multi multiple paths inside of each of those trees. So it gets fairly fucking elaborate and enormous. Then, just like Diablo, the real way to to augment your character's abilities are to upgrade his equipment. In Inquisitor, I'm playing a Psyker. All of this takes place, by the way, in the Warhammer trademark, unbelievably Byzantine, confusing, complicated, far-flung, dystopian science fiction uh, universe as seen in the board game and made famous by miniature painters everywhere who can't, who love their airbrushing and just adore spending endless amounts of money on pewter figurines that they have to paint themselves in mass quantities. It is actually the most successful board, I think uh, it is the most it's the oldest and most successful board game. It came from Britain uh, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't count because Dungeons and Dragons isn't technically a board game, whereas I think Warhammer is. But anyway, lots of people love it. I hate the Warhammer universe. The genius behind Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor Prophecy is that it jacks you in to all of this far flung. I like the look, I like some of the look of the Warhammer universe. Warhammer is basically built in a universe where religion and technology have merged together in the far-flung future. So you have this cyberpunk, bizarre, religious, um, uh, gothic cathedral designed to ships and these immense, monstrous, brute motherfuckers, the meanest of which in the Warhammer universe, is the Inquisitor. He is the right hand to the Emperor. The Inquisitor is basically a detective, a secret detective, with mandates that far exceed the authority of any individual planet. And to get a sense of what I mean by this, the a character in this game says it best in one of the randomly uh, you know, selected mission start sequences. He says... Something like uh, 10,000 planets, 100,000 wars, a million, uh, uh, 100,000, 10,000 systems, 100,000 planets, 1 million wars. War is the state of everything in Warhammer 40k, and it's nice to be able to finally participate in this game with its rich history of lore and bullshit and, you know, its own crazy... Some of it's really ridiculous. Some of it is really cool. Most of it is ridiculous and cool. Like, for instance, like, computers aren't computers anymore. They're called cogitators. And cogitators can have a machine spirit inside of them, which is just a neural network and artificial intelligence. All of these things have analogs to, you know, present day technology. It's kind of cool. But an inquisitor, an inquisitor doesn't have to worry about 
uh, doesn't have to worry about anything other than killing everything everywhere he goes with total impunity. And uh, there's a main story, but the real fun of the game and the reason why Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor, Martyr, and Prophecy, I like the way that those two link together. And right now is a great time to get both of those games. You For 20 bucks, you can get all the DLCs, which carry over, I think, into Prophecy. Um, and Prophecy and Martyr. But you don't have to get Martyr to be able to play Prophecy. Prophecy right now is 75% off at $6.24 through February 3rd. The Warhammer Mega Pack is 20 bucks through February 3rd. That, that, that's the Martyr uh, Mega Pack is 20 bucks uh, through February 3rd. But here's the actual gameplay. So you have um, very simple objectives. As you go through the tutorials, and there are a lot of tutorials, not like in terms of like, um, well, now we're going to frog march you through the combat like they do in uh, Monster Hunter Rise. More like first time you open any menu, there's at least a three window tutorial that you should read. You won't understand what you read and you won't really understand what the fuck they're talking about until way later on. But And then eventually you can revisit those and you will need to revisit those. But one of the things they tell you during the only like actual tutorial combat thing that they do, they explain that like each one of your depending on what you know what weapons you have equipped and what type of capabilities you have, what what character class you are. I'm a psyker and I've only been a psyker. Psychers attack with staves or rods or or, or guns or kinetic swords. Uh, staves are like wizard staves. These are giant fucking hyper-powerful heavy weapons. I prefer the staves. The rods can be dual-wielded so you can have one in each hand or you can have a rod in a hand and a uh, a traditional uh, ranged gun-like weapon in the other hand or a physical sword weapon in the other hand. You can have two you you have two sets of weaponry equipped. On these weapons, there are all of these enchantments, and these enchantments are uh, artifice or whatever the fuck, I can't remember what the fuck they're called. Uh, you have a guy who is like a weapon upgrader on your ship. You have to unlock the skills for everything. So, like, you can't even salvage... You can salvage stuff for their materials from the very beginning, but it takes a long time to build up enough um, fate points to be able to unlock enough stuff so that you can actually start socketing uh, stuff into weapons, pulling stuff out of weapon sockets, and uh, adding new sockets to weapons. All of which require materials and credits. The sockets are probably my favorite thing. Weapons can have six sockets and numerous enchantments on top of those, uh, on top of that. Each socket can hold either a psalm code or a uh, astrotech shard. The, both of which can are basically the same. 
they confer, you know, special uh, buffs and bonuses and etc. But they change in terms of the equipment that you sock them into. The other thing that's different between shards and psalm codes is that psalm codes, as I found out last night, and I'll tell you that story in a moment, psalm codes can be combined in, can be socket, specific psalm codes can be put in a specific order into the sockets to create a uh, fuck, I can't remember what they call it. They, uh, a, a psalm doctrine. This gives a super bonus. So here's so here's here's what so I'm sorry, but I have to have this iPad open. I don't know how to fucking turn off notifications here. Um. So here here's the basic gameplay of the game. As they tell you in the very first tutorial, this game is mindless fucking carnage. They explain that each button that you have on your controller, if you're playing with a controller, is mapped to an ability. Most abilities generate heat. The abilities that you have available depend on the weapons that you have equipped. You can switch which weapon set. I never switch weapon sets in the middle of a in the middle of a mission. I don't know why. Probably because I forget that I can do it. Each weapon on top of this stuff can be you can add augments to them on top of all of the other things that I just said that bend or twist the core damage power thing and I can't remember what these are called. They're they're a psyker thing. It's psychic powers. That's what they're called. Psychic powers. It's like your influence over your own weapon. And so each attack, which you can switch up your attacks when you're back on the ship in between missions, and you spend a lot of time thinking about these things. Because the way Warhammer works is it's like a guy was on speed and acid at the same time and decided that he wanted to make a role-playing game but that some sort of bizarre, neurotic, psychotic break with reality inside of his head from both of those drugs working on him at the same time made him just made him think that he couldn't add anything new to the game without adding a new system. So there are systems and systems in Sophoclean. There are wheels within wheels within wheels in terms of Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor um, that all add up if you're if you pay attention and you figure them, you figure out exactly what you want to do, once you know what you want to do, you can completely change your character into that thing by utilizing all of these different tweaks and upgrades and stuff. And you have to unlock the psychic powers in the skill tree and that was like my first 40 levels. I'm level 69. (laughs) 69. Anyway, so... I got 50 hours in the game. I'm level 69 and I have pretty good stuff. I got pretty good weapons. I've made most of them myself, um, which is generally better unless you find a really good one that matches your play style perfectly. Mm. Which in my experience, you won't. And so, because it gets so complicated, you want such specific things. 
So I'm trucking, I'm level 69, and every I just do random missions. I try not to advance the story too much. And so you just press the left trigger when you're on your ship, and you see a, a, a list of random missions that have been generated that are available to you, and they extend from like two levels below your level, and there's like only a few of those that are offered, all the way up to like seven levels above your level. And then you can modify the modify the mission itself and its rewards and its potential for rewards by uh, finding and unlocking uh, terror cards that you can activate that make the mission much harder and give you better loot, basically. So you jump into a mission and you start at the beginning and they're all really simple. Um, it's generally some variety of kill everyone. Although there are rescue missions, which I like a lot. They're bunker-busting missions and blah. But ultimately, you're just going to have to kill everything. And there are lots of bosses. Uh, these guys are called champions or villains. And they are really, really powerful. And you want to kill them very, very quickly. So, as I, you know, and I've been grinding and grinding and grinding and, you know, leveling up and collecting shit and building new equipment. And basically, you stick with the same sets of equipment for a long period of time in this game because it's expensive to upgrade and difficult to replace um, equipment that you really like. And so this is great because you get to spend more time mindlessly killing shit, which is what I love about this game, and it does it very well. But last night, I realized that like I was, I had failed three missions in a row, which is like really, 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 really bad. Like, you don't fail any missions. And there are all different kinds of ways of playing the game, too. There's just straight-up story missions that just frog march you through a story. Which is great. You can jump into those. You can jump out of those. Then there are Void Crusade missions, which are, like, faster than light, but they require Void Crystals, and they have their own special campaign. Then there are randomly generated mini-campaigns that offer better rewards than just a random missions but you can't play tarot cards on them and they have to happen in a certain you have to um those are like mini campaigns like four campaigns with like a mini decision in between each thing all of these are just window dressing for the same ultimate thing go on a mission and kill everything there come back alive done and loot the shit out of it um, and then you, then when you come back to your ship after you've successfully completed a mission, you look at the shit that you got in your inventory, you sell off the things that you want to sell, you store the things you want to store in your storage box, you, you're emptying your inventory, then you salvage everything else. Salvage or sell everything else. But you check it against your own equipment. And then you go on another mission. And you do this endlessly. Endlessly and mindlessly. Um, the graphics are really good. They're not the greatest graphics in the world, and they're about three years old now. But they are, they get the job done, and the gibbage, and the amount of effects and shit, because there are three types of damage, really, in the Warhammer universe. There's tele- there's kinetic damage, fire damage, and then there's warp damage, and you can also there's also buffs and blessings and stuff that you can cast on yourself or your party if you're into playing with other people. 
But anyway, so last night I realized that I'd failed three missions in a row. And even through my stoned and drunk ass fucking foggy haze, I was like, oh my god. I need to upgrade my shit. This process took three hours. Because I was like, I need significant upgrades. So, I took a look at all my stuff. All the stuff that I have equipped and all the stuff that I have in storage, which includes like huge selection of psalm codes and astrotech shards and blah, 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 blah. I picked a new weapon which did more damage than my current weapon, but not by much. Then I spent the money and the resources to socket in six sockets into that weapon. And then I went on the internet and I wrote down the recipes for the psalm code, for the psalm doctrines that I would want. Because they have to go, these are specific unpro- you know, you it's just the order in which and the type of psalm code that you plug in to a weapon or item and then it unlocks super powerful effects and so then I upgraded my main implant with more slots and my armor with more slots I wasn't happy about having to upgrade my armor because my armor is old and adding slots, you know, these sockets is very expensive but I have 11 million credits so it's okay and I've been storing up for just this kind of moment for a long time like literally like over 20 hours of gameplay so that's like 2 weeks so this is a big fucking deal so then I then I looked at my my uh, uh, I upgraded and tweaked out my um, inoculator which is what gives you what it's what you use instead of health potions but it can have all different kinds of other effects. Um, upgraded my eye implant. Checked out my sigils. Or not my sigils. They're, uh, my, uh, my, they're like wards. They're, they're, they're these epaulets. These skull epaulette things. Checked out my belt item. Upgraded it socketed shit into the um, into my armor and into my weapon and then redistributed the other things that I had originally socketed into my into my old weapon I, I pulled out all of those and I found new places for the important ones where they would do the same thing, like 300 plus 300 hit points, plus 600 suppression uh, plus 7 war peat resistance because as you use spells in this game, these techno spells, they draw their power by, this is the way I understand it, from sucking energy from the chaos void, which is called warp heat and you can only uh, sustain a certain amount of warp heat before it starts to directly damage you and while it summons creatures from the chaos void that will kill you um, figuring this out was something that took me a long time because I spent the first probably 30 hours of my time in this game 
literally killing myself constantly and thinking that it was everyone else who was killing me. No, it was me using hyper-powerful spells for too long, too hard, until the warp heat exceeded my maximum and started damaging me exponentially per second. Like, it's okay to, like, you know, have, you know, eight hit points per second or whatever. Yeah, I have, like, 6,000 hit points or something like that. So, eight hit points per second is not gonna kill you that fast, but ten times eight point, eight, you know, eighty a second will kill you surprisingly quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, 160 will kill you in under, you know, 20 seconds. Or whatever. I, I, you do the math. So, I... I found places for all my other important stuff in my kit. And then I did one mission, one last mission for the night. And in doing this, what I, my specific changes, I'm not going to enumerate them because they are lengthy and complex, but it took me 40, it took me, you know, 50 hours of playing the game before. I understood enough about the systems to where I felt confident enough to make such a massive overhaul of everything that my character basically is. I stayed with the same damage type because that that's how I kidded myself out to begin with. And you don't... I mean, changing your damage type is... It took me three hours to do this if I had to also change my damage type or deal with my alternate set of weapons it would probably have taken me at least three more hours because that's like a massive alteration you'd have to change, I'd have to change all my spells I, you know, what weapon fires what um, blah but the end result was eminently satisfying because now I do 250 times as much damage as I did before. And that's the counterbalance to all the mindless murder, mayhem, explodey, button mashing, uh, giant fucking boss killing, um, epic looting, slaying, repeating that is at the core of this game, the fundamentals, the actual systems that enable you to do that are really complicated, but they're discreet in general. So they can be modified very similar to like, you know, like having a method in a, in a, in a object or if you're if you're a coder, you, know, you got an object-oriented program, you have a method, you have a class, and you have a method, and so it's like, every all of these are methods in 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 the, in the class, and so they can be modified discreetly, and then the sum of them when they come together can be plus 250 times the damage that I was doing before. So now it's like I point at you and you explode. Then your friend explodes without me doing anything. Then I cast two spells. Everybody explodes and turns into a bomb. And explodes. 
So you can do shit like that. And it's super fun. And that stuff takes concentration and patience and attention to detail, which is really neat. I also joined a cabal. I'm not going to go into the multiplayer and social aspects of the game, but there are multi, you know, it's very much designed to be a multiplayer game where you can take multiple people uh, into whatever mission you want. You can invite people, you can join them. And that's all within the uh, in-game system. Cabals are groups of players. Uh, you can create your own if you want. Uh, that uh, collectively gain levels. There are weekly uh, challenges. And then there's all... There's just tons of shit to do. And it's super fun. And at the end of the day, if you don't want to do anything or pay attention to any of this stuff, if you don't even want to pay attention to the story, you don't have to. You could just do a random mission. And that's cool. One of the neat things about the random mission, the last thing I'll say, one of the neat things about the random mission system is that they occur, each mission takes place in a solar system, on a planet in a solar system, and you have influence in these solar systems, and you gain more influence by completing more and more missions in them, and then you get bonuses every time you get like 100 more points in influence in a system. And so, like, there's a number of factors to consider when you're picking your mission, but they're not that complicated, and then you just go and kill everything. And it's super fun. So, if this sounds like anything you would be interested in, for $27, you can get all of it right now. And that that's the only way that, that Warhammer 40,000 gets an, our unconditional highest award the Best Things Games podcast is able to confer on any title, which would be the worth full price, any price, all price, any day, every day, you know, seal of ultimate game of approval. Warhammer is not one of those games. I cannot give it that award just because it is so complicated. It's also so simple, though, but it does require a certain um, thirst for a Diablo 3 slash Torchlight 2 esque um, play experience in a hack and slash looter with also, the added imposition of not being able to understand anything if you don't know the Warhammer universe, which I didn't. But it, the game brings you up to speed on that. If you've always been interested in the Warhammer universe, if you thought, like, the skulls and, and everything was kind of cool, well, you can become the ultimate badass in inqu- by becoming an Inquisitor in this game. But I would... I would... I would... I would think that most people would like Necromunda more because that's a first-person shooter, although I haven't been able to log as many hours in that as I would like. I know that at either $6.24 or $20 or $26.24, this is an amazing deal. I don't know about paying full price, especially not for Martyr with all the DLCs, uh, at full price, but at 26 bucks for everything, holy shit, the entertainment value is through the roof, the replayability is through the roof, there's still a lot of people playing the game, at least it seems like when I'm playing, because I keep talking to people in chat, 
And the game itself is phenomenal. It does what it does extraordinarily well. And some of the, just anytime that you're thinking like, oh, the, these graphics are, you know, I've seen everything. Then there will be a boss that is so fucking scary. It kills you so hardcore, so enormous. And lots of these guys are like procedurally generated. And all of this shit is procedurally generated. So it's something different every time. It's like being a rat running through a maze that gets to upgrade itself in between. There you go. I will see you next week. I won't see you next week, but you can hear me next week. I will be in Hawaii. Then the following week, we will have some kind of show or another encore, possibly. Because I I get back on... Anyway, yeah. That's our show. Uh, Aloha, motherfuckers. I'm outie. Four or five times A good idea Four or five times Hi there There is delight in doing things right Four or five times It is I, E.B. Farm Maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink And if I die, I'm gonna cry Four or five times Do you like to play? We like to play I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're gonna have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.